If you have your Bibles and you'd like to look with me, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I want to read a, a passage quickly as we begin there this morning. I don't think it's fair that I should have to follow the kids, um, but, you know, I guess that's, that's where we are. That was a tough, tough act to follow. 1 Corinthians 9. Apostle Paul writes, uh, I'm going to read in verse 24. He says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not, uh, excuse me, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize Paul talks about running. He says, if you're going to run, win. If you're going to run, get there. And Paul understood how we think. He understood that when we're going someplace, it's comforting to know how close we are. It's almost disconcerting to just travel or just run or just walk um, and have no indication whatsoever if we're getting closer to the prize that we're seeking. That's just against our nature. We, we need um, uh, some kind of um, sign, some kind of <clears throat> excuse me, uh, some kind of way to know that we're, we're headed in the right direction and that we're gaining ground, we're, we're, we are uh, getting closer to where we want to be. Um, Cricket's mom and dad used to live out in West Texas on the other side of, of Midland. And when they lived there, we would go out there a couple times a year whether we needed to or not. Uh, and it didn't seem to matter which way we, we traveled, which route we took. It didn't seem to matter how fast we drove or how many times we stopped. But almost like clockwork, uh, it would take us exactly 10 hours to get from our house here to their house out in West Texas. And I could know with all certainty that within the first five minutes of us getting there, Cricket's dad was going to look at me and say, how long take you to get here? <laughs> and I would always say, well, it, you know, it took about 10 hours. And he'd go, you made good time. <laughs> oh, that's good. You made good time, you know. We like that as people. 
we, we, we want to think we're just a little bit ahead, we're just a little bit farther than we used to be. We want to know that we are doing things right. And, and Paul admonishes he, us here that if we're going to be in a contest, if we're going to run, okay, let's do it correctly. Let's, let's do so so that we can claim the prize that's available to us uh, because of what Jesus did for us. So I thought that for the next three weeks, we would look at some indicators of running correctly, some mile markers, if you will, of um, going in the right direction and knowing that we're making progress in our spiritual lives. Now, let me say before we get started, this is by no means an all-inclusive list. It's not an exhaustive list at all. Uh, there are many other indicators to the Christian life and, and a healthy uh, walk with God or a healthy run with God, as Paul would say. But I wanted to look at three uh, in particular. I want, I want to talk about consistency. I want to talk about living in um, a state of forgiveness and forgiveness not being um, a situational uh, aspect in our lives, but a way of life for us. And then today, I just want to rip the Band-Aid off and talk about tithing. Um, so look at Malachi, last chapter, or excuse me, the last book of the Old Testament. And let me read the, the passage that we're pretty familiar with there. Malachi in chapter 3 and in verse 5. God speaking, he says, I the Lord do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will, a, will mere, a mere mortal, your Bible may say, will a man rob God? And God says, yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room, there will not be room enough for you to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and your and vines, your vines in, your, in field. your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord. Tithing. One of the reasons that I really felt um, that God would have us look at this particular topic as maybe mile marker number one, there's Jordan Bryant. They finally kicked you out of that other church, didn't they? I knew it was just a matter of time, man. Yeah. Good to see you, bud. Um, 
is because I can speak to this issue personally. I can speak to this issue firsthand without any hesitation and even without the scriptural mandate that we have. I can tell you from experience <laughs> that this works. This absolutely works. I think it's one of the few places in all of Scripture where we find God saying to us, okay, test me. Try it. Hide and watch and see what I will do when you obey this commandment. There are a couple of other places you know, that I think about in Scripture. I think about uh, when Elijah was dealing with the prophets of Baal and he was pretty boastful and everything, you know. Uh, he was talking some trash that day. I think about when God talked to uh, Job and he asked him real plainly, where were you the day that I put the world into motion? Are you able to tell the ocean don't go any farther than this, you know? Those are things that God reminds us of his power, but I believe this may be one of the only times where God so plainly says, see what I'll do. He invites us to test him in this particular area. Why? Why? Well, one thing I know, tithing has nothing to do with money. Tithing is not about money. Tithing is about faith and obedience. I mean, are we so um, naive this morning that we actually think that God needs anything that we're able to possess? I mean, just common sense tells us that that's not the case, and yet God is so specific about this particular issue. And so, uh, uh, so forceful in the way that he speaks to us when he tells us and he invites us uh, to test him in this. And, and I think there's some reasons for that. So, so let's look at that real quickly. Um, the, the first thing that I think we need to understand about tithing it comes from an Old Testament book, but it's still on the books today. There is no other plan. And there are people that would teach that uh, since we live under grace, we don't live uh, under this commandment. But folks, that's simply not true. The Apostle Paul talks about uh, tithing. Uh, Jesus talks about um, rendering unto God what, what belongs to God. Um, this, is, this is something that um, uh, we are to pay attention to this morning. And I like what verse 6 says. Verse 6 says, The Lord, I the Lord, do not change. I don't change. Our God does not 
change. You know, Scripture tells us that he's the same today, yesterday, and forever. And a long time ago, he set up this process whereby we got the opportunity, and that's the verb change that we need to, to make this morning. That's the mindset that we need to make today. We get the opportunity to participate in what God is doing through the obedience of tithing. God does not change. He, there is no other plan. There, there, nothing else has come along. Jesus did not do away with it in his personal ministry. There's nothing about the New Testament that does not continue the commandment that God gives us in Malachi. God does not change. There is no new plan. And so we as believers in Christ this morning are commanded to be obedient when it comes to, to the aspect of tithing. And not only does God not change, but God's requirements do not change. If God's the same today that he was when he, when he spoke these words, then the requirements that he had, he still has. The personality that he had, he still has. The expectations that he has, that he had, he still has. The requirements of God do not change simply because time changes. And let's call a time out right here. You know, that, that idea is true about a whole lot of things other than just tithing. Man, we live in such a world today where we make um, things so relative to the time in which we live. Folks, according to Scripture, if it was wrong in the 1950s, it's still wrong today. If it was the right thing to do in the 1980s, then it's the right thing to do today. If it's what God said for us to do prior to the first century, it's what we're supposed to do today. God's requirements do not change. He is not phased by our calendar. He is not phased by our progressivism and our enlightenment and our education and us thinking that we have developed a better way to do things. His requirements do not change. But here's the cool part. His motivation doesn't change either. God's motivation has not changed. Why did he tell us that we should tithe? Why did he tell us that we should take a portion of what we have and give back to him? Because he knew it was good, not for God. God's got everything that he needs. God knew that it was good for us. Every commandment, every act of obedience, everything that God has ever told the human race that they need to do has been out of one motivation from his heart, and that is what was in our best interest. Quite frankly, God knows I will have a better life when I'm obedient to him than when I am not, and that's what he wants. 
understand that this commandment that, that frankly some people have a hard time wrapping their head around, have a hard time understanding why God would require this of us, is all for us. If we can really grasp that this morning, I think we can make that shift in our mind and in our thinking to understanding just what a cool process that tithing really is. Just how neat it really is that God lets us participate in something like that. There's not another plan. This is it. This is it. So as we look at that today, even though this comes from ancient history, so to speak, we've got to understand that some things that God said back then are very applicable to us today. The details are important here. In fact, I think it's one of the things where the details matter most. Okay? First of all, when God said to tithe, okay, that word as it's used originally, was a noun. It meant something, okay? We, we often look at it as a verb, the act of doing something, and that's, that's okay, okay? That, that works. But, but originally, that word was a noun, and it simply meant 10 or a tenth, all right? We, we, would, we would say 10% of something, okay? God did not say, give some of what you have. God did not say, give this particular amount in terms of dollars and cents. He's way smarter than that. He understood how life was going to change over several thousand years and how monetary systems would come and go and, and be different from different uh, realms and places on the earth. Here's the thing. You don't have to be a mathematician to get this. And I'm so glad because I'm not. You know, that's not my thing. Whatever you have, take, ten, take a tenth of that, take 10% of that and give that back to God. Absolutely everyone can participate in tithing. Isn't that cool? Absolutely everybody can participate in tithing. I don't have to make X number of dollars. I don't have to have so much uh, land or so much cattle or this resource or that resource or whatever. Everybody can participate in tithing. And God said it's 10%. Very simple. Very, very simple. Man, we could, could use that simplicity in our world today. You ever done your income tax? I don't understand that. I mean, I, mean, I, I think I'm a fairly, you know, intelligent person. I don't understand that. I don't get that. I just pray, okay, that number one, I get it done on time, and number two, no one shows up to take me to jail. Because I'm not real sure if I've done it right or not. And I call experts, and they say, I don't know. Nobody seems to know. 
And for 200 years now, we've been basing the economic um, condition of our country on something no one can figure out. Why don't we just take 10%, okay? Take 10% of what I got, take 10% of what Byron's got, 10% of what Maddie's got, and we give that back to the government, and they go do what they need to go and do. I say, I can get that. I know if I've done that or not. And that's what God wanted for us. Okay? He wanted it to be simple. He wanted it to be something that we could understand. He wanted it to be something that would be consistent with us. And so he says, take the 10%, okay? He did not say, take what you can. Listen to me if you don't hear anything else this morning. Tithing, when, you, when it's first initiated, is not going to be comfortable for most folks. It's not going to add up. For most folks. I remember distinctly when we were younger and we were not tithing and we were convicted that this was something that we needed to do and so we sit down at the table and we, we have the bills and we have the paycheck and the bill stack is larger than the paycheck stack already. And now we're going to say, we're going to take 10% of that paycheck stack and give that back to God. I told you I wasn't real good at math, but I figure out that. It didn't add up. And it didn't add up the second month. And it didn't add up the fifth month. And I don't know how long, I can't remember really how long it took before things began to, to even out. But I can tell you this, what we've been blessed with in our lives does not add up. And I didn't earn it. It's, it's been a pure, simple gift from God. No, it's not going to add up. But I beg you to give him a chance to prove himself. 10%, 10%, not 8%, not 9%, not what's left over, not what we think we can do, not we're going to give 5% this month and hopefully next month we can get it up to 8 and then the No, that's not what the Lord said. I know that makes sense. I know that's our natural reaction, but it's just not what God said. He said take 10%. He didn't say understand it. He didn't say agree with it. He said do it. Second thing. Okay, not only are we to take 10%, all right, we are to take the first fruits. Let me read you the story real quickly. In Genesis, in, uh, in chapter 4 of Genesis, and you know this story. Chapter 4, um, it says, Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked in the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. 
The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. And the Lord said to him, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Two very small words, some and first. Some and first. I don't know, but I'd be willing to bet it's a pretty good, pretty good bet that if you took the monetary value between what Cain and Abel offered, it would be pretty close to the same. But again, it's not about money with God, is it? It's about obedience. It's about doing exactly what he said simply because he said it. And he said, bring the first fruits, and that's exactly what Abel did. He, he brought the firstborn of whatever livestock that he was raising, and he gave that to the Lord. Cain brought some. It doesn't even say that he brought too little. It doesn't say that it was deficient. It doesn't say that um, there was anything wrong with it whatsoever. It just wasn't first. It wasn't first. And God said, I want what's first. I want what's first. We can't substitute our conventional thinking and not give God our first fruits. You say, well, what is that? I don't raise fruit. Well, I don't either. I don't even eat fruit. What, what is that? When do we tithe? When the fruit is harvested. When the livestock is born. And in our case, when the paycheck is given to us. When the deposit from your employer is made into your account. And for some of us that happens once a week, for some of us it happens once a month, for some of us maybe it's once a quarter. God does not care about that. He cares that we take the first of what we have and give that back to him. You say, Cody, is that really that important? Yeah, I believe it is. I absolutely believe it is. But the first thing we do when we are paid is to acknowledge that all of it is God's and he's only requiring 10% and we give it to him before we do absolutely anything else. Anything else. Even when it doesn't add up, even when it doesn't make sense. God wants the first fruits. Are we not really, really excited this morning that when it was his turn to show us how to tithe, that he didn't hold back and give us second or third? He gave us first. He gave us best. He gave us Jesus. First fruits.
And then, third detail, is God said, bring it to the storehouse. Bring it to the storehouse. That's a metaphor that Malachi uses to describe the church. The local assembly, what we simply call church. That's the storehouse. That's what God was talking about. I hear people say sometimes that maybe don't practice tithing and, and we'll be in a conversation or whatever, and I've heard people say, you know, I don't really do that. I don't really tithe. But we contribute to this charity every month. We, we, we give uh, a large portion of our income to this cause and to that cause and to this children's fund and to that hospital, and man, those are great things. And I would say if God convicts you to do that, that's exactly what you need to do. But that has nothing to do with your tithe. That is a completely separate matter. God said, bring the tithe, bring the 10%, bring the very first and the very best to my house. And then I will distribute it where it needs to go. And I can say that this morning because I don't work here. It's hard sometimes for pastors to talk about tithing because they get paid through part of that process. This is where we're, this is where we're supposed to show that act of obedience and that process of worship is right here in his house. And we can't substitute something else for that. Just like Cain couldn't substitute some for first, we can't substitute the greatest causes in the world for his house. So how do we get started? How do we do that? Maybe, maybe you're like we were and you just, you just hit and miss and you tithe when you think you can and most of the time you think you can't and you don't really understand it all and it doesn't add up and it doesn't make sense. and you know what, what, How do we get going? Well, this is where you just knock you up. I mean, you just do it. I, I, I wish I had some great theological expression to give you, but I don't. Okay? How do you tie it? You do it. You got a hundred bucks, you take the ten dollars out of your wallet and you put it in there. And try not to cry when you let it go, okay? All right. When we get paid on the third Friday of each month, the first check that we write is the 10% that God has asked for to show our faith and to show our obedience. You just do it. And then you do it again, and then you do it again. And it becomes a way of life. And you get to experience what God has done or what he will do through that process, and, and you wouldn't think of living any other way. You just do it. And then once you do it, you better watch out. I can tell you this, you better watch out. You better watch for God to pass the test. Because he's going to. God's going to pass the test. 
when we engage in this, when we, when we really get serious with him about this, remember the, the scripture tells us that where our treasure is, that's where our heart's going to be. And God doesn't care a, a flip about what little money I have. The little money I make is not going to be significant at all in world events. God does not need my 10%. He wants my heart. So watch for God to pass the test. Watch for God to show off. Because he's going to. Trust me. Some of the things that we have been able to do in our lives that we never imagined we would get to do. Never imagined we'd get to experience. It's because God has showed off. He should just, just flat shown off. That's all there is to it. Understand this morning, we bought two children. Now there's a flip side of that. You don't get to give them back, but anyway. Watch out because he's going to show off. He's going to do things that we cannot imagine, that we cannot expect, and that we cannot make sense of. Well, let's also watch out that we practice tithing with the right heart. That the reason, the real reason that we tithe this morning is not because we know we're going to get something back from it. The Bible tells us that God loves a cheerful giver. Oh, we don't talk about tithing in our church because we need to build a new wing or we need to increase salaries or any of those kinds of things. God's got all that covered. We talk about tithing because we love him. We love him. And in some small, minute way, Understand that my tithe checks have way more zeros behind the decimal points than they do in front of it. But when I give him that tenth and I give him that first, just like with Abel, he accepts it. Something that I do, something I have some little control over, God accepts that. That doesn't make any sense. He enjoys that. That's why we tithe. Oh, we're going to have blessings that we can't imagine. We're going we're to have prosperity that um, the world may not even classify as prosperity. And again, that doesn't have anything to do with monetary wealth. But we do it. Because we love the one who loved us first. And there's not a better feeling than that. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for allowing us to see that everything you do, even the things you tell us to do, are really all about your love for us. 
God, we completely understand, we completely get that you don't need a single thing that we can give. That having the opportunity to do so, Father, is simply a gift from you. And so, God, I pray that you would put our hearts in the right place, that we understand that this morning. And that we make that a, a constant first in our lives. And, God, that we could see that we're in step with you and that we're running the race not to just run, but we're running to win. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.